has been drawn out to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And the devil comes to him and says, the tempter, it says in, in Matthew 4, it says, if you are the son of man, command these stones to become loaves of bread. This is the verse that, that pierced my heart during worship. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need a word from God more than you need bread. That's a word for us. You need, we need the, the word of God. Yes, the word of God, the, the Bible, but also the, the direction of God, the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Furthermore, we need the word of God in this community. It's my, it's my, it isn't a fear, but I'm sober-minded to think that if we don't walk according to the word of God, we're nothing better than a social club. Does that make sense to you? Like, Jesus is saying to the devil, like he's, he's rebuking him and saying, no, no, I don't live by that world. I live from the word of God. And sometimes the word of God or what the Lord is speaking to you, it may sometimes transcend your understanding. But my gosh, we need to be obedient to that. And it's come about the last three weeks, two, two three weeks, that the Lord has been speaking very, very clearly, very, very clearly to this community. And it's cut us to our heart what the Lord has been speaking to us about. But one thing I know, if we can be obedient to discern and obey the voice of God, we'll be okay. So it was actually during the time, just to put a reference point, of Catherine's visit. Who was here for Catherine's visit? Was that two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. During that time, it was like we were living in a dream of like, the Lord was, there was so much stuff happening beneath the surface, prophetically, directionally, the Lord's counsel was like speaking very clearly to our community. And that's right, Anna. And what resulted was a realization that shocked us to the core as we began to discern clearer and clearer and clearer in the same way that you're looking at binoculars and you, and you can see something but then the focus begins to turn in and then you can see a crisp like 2020 vision of what like what's before you and the Lord spoke to us very clearly through multiple accounts and we're going to go through um, some of those to help walk us through I'm about to announce something that's about this situation and through multiple 
confirmations, independent of our desire and what our logic would be, the Lord's spoken to us as a community to actually release Mark and Christine Greenwood to go to Brisbane. Shock horror. The bombshell. So if this is a shock to you, that's a natural emotion. <laughs> it's not weird. When Mark, Christine, Ruth and myself processed this together, we wept for like four hours straight. There's like a deep... If you don't know Mark and Christine, I'm going to bring up Mark in a second. Um, but Mark's his title in the community is senior associate leader. He's like part of the fabric of this community. And his wife, Christine, oh my gosh, is like the, I call her like a silent assassin. She's nowhere, but she's everywhere at the same time. And we love them so much, so, 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 so much. And this was never, ever, ever in our intention for this to ever happen. But the, again, the Lord's spoken. And I don't want to live by a word of logic. I want to live by the word of the Lord. So I can stand here before you with utter confidence, a clear conscience. Ruth, where's Ruth? Did you come up here, babe? Ruth as well. Like, this has been an ex extraordinary few weeks. Extraordinary. It's been, I've never experienced anything like it before. Right? So we're going to get Mark up to share and to open up kind of like pop the bonnet of the news I've just dumped on you and to let you in on the process. But from Ruth and myself as the senior leaders of this community who by God's grace have been given the stewardship to oversee this community, I can assure you this is the word of the Lord. I don't understand everything. There's a deep-rooted grief in my heart, a deep-rooted grief, which is actually right it's the complete opposite of a church split. Our hearts are like gut-wrenched. It's not like, yeah, go to Brisbane and plan a, whatever. He's not planning a church. He's going to support Catherine in the Glory City of Brisbane, starting a Bible college. It's extremely exciting. It's bigger. Our hearts are expanding. But it's the word of the Lord. So I encourage you, be free, process. There's a natural grief. Grief is not a bad thing. Grief is when, you, when you're losing something right? We're not losing Mark and Christine in terms of like they're not dying, right? But we're releasing them from the proximity of sowing directly into this community. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, sure. Um, we are ascending community as well. That's part of our heart. We, this is such an amazing amazing place to be but we feel so excited about releasing the Zoe's in the like out into the world and Mark and Christine to bless the rest of the world so as Dave said as grieved as we are we're also so excited because we know that so many other people are going to be blessed and we're going to continue to go after, go hard after God and continue to see the Lord just pour down in this place. We're going to go harder than ever. 
And we're going to continue to see the glory of God in this place. And as people come in, we're going to continue to get used to sending people. And our hearts, you know, will go with them. And we're not saying goodbye to Mark and Christine. We're not saying goodbye to Zoe. We're, we're releasing. And we just want to release more of God into the world. Hey. So we're so excited. And as we all know, Darwin is a transient. So we see what an amazing opportunity for so many people to come, be a part of our family for a few years, if that's what it is, and then keep going. There'll be some of us that stay here and rooted here forever. Woohoo! But um, yeah, we just so um, perplexed but overjoyed to send our beloved Mark and Christine to bless the rest of the world in Brisbane and beyond. Amen. Thanks, babe. Um, so this, what's happening right now is, I think, one of the most profound teachable moments. This is, this is live action, right? But one of the most fundamental abilities for a Christian is to be able to hear the Word of God, interpret the Word of God, and then apply the Word of God. Right? So many Christians are like, I heard God's voice, I'm going to go do this, or whatever, and it's kind of like, okay, this is, this, there's, there can be unhealth around that, Right? So we want to just, I want to invite up Mark, and you're welcome, Christine, if you want to share anything as well. But Mark's just going to just open up his heart. <laughs> and, 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 I want, and I want Mark, Mitch is in preparation. Sorry, he, he got let out of the gates too soon. I want, to, I want to exhort you to open up your heart to this moment in time right now. Because there's going to be truths released tonight, eternal truths, because I do not want to... Hmm. We need to get this right. You need to hear the voice of God because you're a son and a daughter. You need to know how to steward the voice of God, to apply the voice of God, and to walk in the Word of God together as a family. Right? So this moment right now is, an, is a profound, even prophetic, I would say, teachable moment for us as a community to learn how to do this together. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hey, hey. Wow. Thanks, Dave and Ruth. Um, I'm not going to take long, guys. It's a bit of a different night for obvious reasons. If you're visiting tonight, um, there's a context you're going to miss. But God bless you. I pray you find the love of God here. If you don't, 
Well, you will. You'll find the love of God here. Um, our core leadership is all fully aware of this transition, as well as our uh, 90% of our church group leaders. Um, it's been more sudden than I would have liked. Then, actually, Christine's fine. Christine felt a transition for about three months um, where her heart was just doing something of a shift um, since probably the very end of last year. And she would make comments about it and I would just kind of brush it off. Like, ah, she's just being silly. Or she's just, like, we're on a mission. We've got our, we've got our plan. Um, I think, honestly, two weeks ago, I would have thought we'll be here for another minimum three years possibly 10. Um, <laughs> big jump. Three to 10 years, somewhere in there. Keeping it loose in case God wants to change something. And um, so we feel a little bit like, I feel a little bit like Philip when revival broke out at Antioch. I don't think we're having revival right now in Darwin. I think we're on the very edge of it though. I really do. I'm, I'm really, really positive and confident in that. Um, but Philip, when persecution broke out against the early church, Philip, um, the, the Christians, they, they'd gathered up until that point and there was a potent culture of love and then persecution hit and a lot of the believers scattered. And many of them just went along preaching the gospel, winning the lost. And Philip went down to a city called Antioch and revival broke out, chaos the whole city is getting touched by God. Many are coming to Christ. And it's like potent culture. You can read it in the book of Acts. It's heavy. God's moving. God's moving. We just had 40 people move to Darwin at the start of this year. And I feel like I'm just getting to know a bunch of you. And I feel like probably my most favorite people in the whole world are in this little city right now. And a little bit like Philip, he, he got in the heat of revival, he actually got a word from God and he left Antioch in the most, I, I think, unlikely timing because God had his, his eyes set on an Ethiopian eunuch out in the desert. And God knew that that Ethiopian eunuch, actually secular history says this Ethiopian eunuch had an impact on the whole nation of Ethiopia through carrying the gospel back with him. Secular history documents that, not just um, Christian history. So God knows. God knows things that Philip wouldn't have known at that point. God knows things that Christine and I don't know. One thing he's been teaching us for the last um, probably two years or so, at least in ways we can articulate, is that you don't have to understand in order to obey. Sometimes as Christians, we'll only obey God to the degree we understand what he calls us to. And really that's, it's conditional obedience. The more I look at um, revival history, the more I look at moves of God, the more I see that, yes, prayer is a huge component, but obedience to the word of God is everything. It's obedience, small or big, that changes nations. It, it creates a landing strip for the Holy Spirit. So there's two things I want to do, and I'm going to do it quickly because I don't want to go too late, but... 
I want to unpack a little bit of the process of us hearing the Lord and what that looked like for us to submit it to our leaders here in Darwin. Because we are not just a local church, we are also an apostolic center. We have fivefold ministers in this community. There is an equipping of the saints that happens here, and, and there will be a, a constant movement in this community of people that will come be electrocuted, be equipped, and then go into the world. They'll go into the mission field. They'll travel. They'll carry something of a deposit that God's planted in Darwin, and they'll take it elsewhere. So we are called to be a sending center, and so we need to learn how to be sent. We need to learn how to hold things loosely. We need Jesus Christ to be our anchor, not the consistency of the community around us. Each one of us needs our own anchor in Christ and nothing else. And each one of us has to hear the voice of God and obey it. But it's as important how you are sent as to how you hear God sending you. And one thing that I've found a great joy to do is to hear a word from God so, so sharp, so clear, so clear. I had, I had multiple dreams. Ruth had a dream. Um, Catherine Renala, while she was here, had, an, had a vision. I'll share the vision with you. Um, during worship, while she was here in Darwin, she, just keep in mind, at this point, I'm not thinking leaving Darwin, even while Catherine's here visiting. I'm just thinking we're, we're developing a theology about the fivefold for the Glory City Network. We're hanging out. We love Catherine. We love spending time with her. I'm so oblivious. So oblivious. That's why he gave me the word a few months ago that he doesn't oppose the ignorant. He opposes the proud. I've been so ignorant to this whole thing. But basically, Catherine had a vision during worship, and um, I'd had a couple of dreams, but I hadn't interpreted them yet. They're just sitting there in my heart. Who's ever experienced that? When you have a dream, you know it's God, but it just takes some time. You're meditating on it. I'd had a dream like that. Ruth had had a dream I was chewing on. And Catherine saw this vision where, in worship, the Lord unzipped her, right down her back and reached inside of her and pulled out an axe, a big axe. And he gave it to her and he pointed at this huge oak tree. And he said, I want you to uproot that oak tree. And she didn't get an interpretation. She was just like, that is a really interesting vision. And I was driving her, I was hosting her that night, so I drove her back to her hotel and she said, Mark, I had this really interesting vision during worship. I don't know what it means, but like help me process and she explained that I saw the Lord do this and he pulled out an axe and he pointed at, at a tree and he said uproot that tree and as she said that to me the Lord cut my heart and said you're the tree I'm uprooting you that's that's what he said and then suddenly these and so I was so shocked and sideswiped that I didn't I just like played it cool in front of Catherine I was like that's really interesting I don't Literally, like, just my worst poker face, driving along. Like, all right. But it was so the Lord. I couldn't ignore it. And she genuinely didn't know. And, and actually, the Lord, I feel like the Lord desired that I would know that she didn't have an interpretation um, and that she would know that too so that we both know there hasn't been, like, a, a wrong motive in all this. 
on her part or on mine. And she actually processed the very same vision with Ruth the next morning, still like, Ruth, I had this vision, I don't know what it means. Meanwhile, I'm at home freaking out, crying, processing, God, what are you doing? And um, then the dreams start to make sense, these different dreams that God's speaking about. And, and essentially, there are things that God wants to cause to grow in this community that will not grow as well whilst Christine and I are here. You don't have to fully understand that. I don't either, but it's the Lord. There are things that need to grow in Brisbane that will not grow until we go there. And that's what we feel. We don't fully understand it. But here's what we did. I'm going to read you a few verses. And if you... I feel in the Lord... um, we are not the only people that are going through a shift. And I'm not talking about leaving Darwin necessarily, but there is a lot of shifting going on. Even as a point for this community, I think we're coming to a time, I don't know how soon, but I have a feeling it's soon, where there's going to be a shift for this entire community. And the love of God that's shaking up in this community like a Coke can is actually going to pop, and there's going to be a going. There's going to be a going. It doesn't mean leaving Darwin. It means, it means being compelled by the love of God for the lost in this city. There'll be a tipping point. I, I know it. And so we need to be prepared to hold things with an open hand. Find your comfort in God, not in where things are at. I'm going to read you a few verses. Firstly, the point is, one of the key things I feel to just so is obedience beyond understanding. Obedience beyond understanding. It is a key. I've never liked the word key, but I believe it's a key to an outpouring of God's spirit, to revival. I believe it's a key. The way you obey beyond understanding is trusting how good God is. You don't need to understand. You just know his goodness and you say yes. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Now, I don't know if you can feel the weight of it like like we have, but I want to be really clear. God spoke. It cut my heart. It was as clear as when he said you're moving to Darwin four years ago. It was, that was so clear that I came here with a single eye. I never for a second, not one second the last four years have questioned that I'm supposed to be here. Because when I get a word, I never back down. When I get a word from God, nothing will stop me, I promise you. That's why I have to know. Caleb Bowles' dad, he used to be my pastor before I moved here, and he, he gave me one bit of advice when I said, I feel like we're called to Darwin. He said, all right, know that you're called. He said, you have to know. You can't just feel it. You've got to know that you're called. Because in hell, high water, the good, the bad, you'll just stick it out. And it was the best advice. You've got to know your calling. God spoke just as clear to my heart to go to Brisbane. So I don't need all the details. I've got a word from God. But what I didn't do is go to Dave and Ruth. Dave and I have become so, so, so close these last few years. He is just the best of friends to me. But he's also my leader. Do you know that your very closest friends can be your leaders too? Dave's one of my absolute closest friends in the world, and he's also my leader. So what I didn't do is come to Dave and Ruth and go, hey guys, God spoke, we're out of here, we're leaving next week, we love you guys, bless you. We didn't, we didn't do it like that. 
We didn't do it like that, and they didn't do it like that in the Bible either. And the only reason some of us have grown accustomed to going, hey, God spoke, I'm out of here, and we don't submit it to people that we trust, who God's established to lead us, is because we've experienced controlling leadership or religious leadership or immature leadership in our past, and we're actually reacting. And we're afraid that it's more fear that makes us do that. God told me this, so I'm doing this. Now, say, say we went to Dave and Ruth and said, God said, move to Brisbane. We're leaving soon. Now, if Dave wants to challenge that, how does he challenge that? Is he challenging me then or God? Is it now me and God and then Dave's kind of like, oh, all right. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Is that making sense? It's so important. I've experienced this. I've experienced this. And I think as a, as a company of people who are growing into an apostolic community, we have to learn how to be in submission one to another. We have to learn how to be sent, not just that we are sent. And so I knew that I knew that I knew God had spoken, but we sat with Dave and Ruth and said, guys, help us. This is what happened. This is what we feel God is saying. Language is so important. It's, it's guys, could, would you sit next to us and look at this with us? We are like freaking out right now. Help us. Do you know why I can do that with Dave and Ruth without having an ounce of fear that they're going to shut it down or control us? It's because they're phenomenal leaders. It's because they know Jesus. They're not controlling or protective. Never once, never once in four years has Dave even tightened his grip over this community. It's confronting. It's uncomfortable. He finds comfort in chaos. Has anyone noticed that? You might, if, you're not, if you don't see a little deeper, you'll think he doesn't see. He sees everything. He's just comfortable. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says this, Where there is no guidance, people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Did you hear that? Proverbs 12 verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15 verse 22, Without counsel, plans will fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise guidance, you can wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Ecclesiastes 4.13, listen to this. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. That's in the Bible. Ephesians 5.21, this is so powerful. Caleb's taught me a lot about this verse. Ephesians 5.21 talks about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So many of us have seen leadership as this top-heavy system. 
You know, le leadership is not the authority or ability to control people. It's the responsibility to serve people. And what real submission is, when you have servant-hearted leaders, it's letting them lead you. It's letting them lift you up in the way that they see fit to do as they hear the Lord, because the Lord gives us leaders. I would hate to see people in this community not know how to be led by Dave and Ruth. Oh my gosh, what a, what a missed opportunity. Do you know, Dave's led me the last four years. He said to me, you're going to write a book about righteousness. I wrote a book about righteousness. He told me I was a teacher. I began to flourish in the grace of a teacher. He told me I should lead the Jesus school. I said, all right, I led the Jesus school. He's led me for four years because he's an apostolic person. Ruth's the same. So I yield to them. I let them lead my life. I let them speak in at whatever level he feels he should to my marriage. Do you know God loves that? So we felt God is pulling us out of Darwin and moving us to Brisbane. And our hearts were, let's put Dave and Ruth at the wheel of this. Not Catherine, because what it will impact the most is Darwin, not Brisbane. We've been in Darwin, not Brisbane. So if you, you, you ask, okay, Lord, if this is you, who's it going to impact the most? Where are my leaders? That's who I'm going to begin to put at the wheel of this so we can negotiate this together. Is that making sense? This is important. If you think it's irrelevant to you, it's not. We're in a shifting season. The Lord's going to position you to do things. Zoe did this with us. Zoe processed. Like, I think the Lord's calling me back to the Sunshine Coast. She, she yielded that. She submitted that to us. She submitted to her friends, Christine. Like just this week, they're praying. They're speaking into her life. She's like, here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's what I think God's saying. Help me move forward. And look at her. To be sent is so significant. We had a couple that were in this community and they felt called to go somewhere else. But for, for various reasons, they had struggled to let themselves be seen in this family. And yes, they're here, but sometimes they're just not really here. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever been in the room with someone, but it's like they're not really in the room? And, and anyway, off they went. And what I'm not, I'm not talking about covering right now. That's unscriptural. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about being seen. We're actually built for it. We're built for fellowship. You can't ignore it. You do get weird without it. And they, they, they left and they had just had the most horrible time where they went. I don't think it's because they weren't, I don't think it's because they didn't have a covering. I think there was something premature because it's with wise counsel that you wage war. It's with insight. It's with seeking advice. So they ended up coming back. And it was so incredible because what they did was they sought God about this whole season. They'd moved cities and then they came back. I went, all right, what's up? How can we do this different? And they felt to come and submit themselves to Dave and Ruth and say, guys, we need you in our life. We want you to speak into our lives. We want to be a part of this family. We want to be seen. And they went on this phenomenal journey, and then we were able to send them as a family. And they're thriving, flourishing, bearing fruit. Because there's something about 
how you're sent. It's important. You know how scary it is to hear a word from God and then submit it to your leaders when you know he spoke? What if they said no? What's even scarier is when you don't even have the desire to leave, but you know they're going to say, yes, that's the Lord. And that's what happened, person after person, Dave and Ruth, and then Mitch, and then Caleb and Chloe, and then Naomi and Anna, and we spoke with our core leaders, and we went, hey, this is what's happening. And every one of them just, there's an emotion of like, because we're not just doing ministry together, we, we love each other here. We've built something so much beyond the veil of ministry. I promise. There's like a well of love that's been dug between us. Which is, that's why we cried for literally hours. I haven't cried so much in my life as I have the last two weeks. I'm not going off to be martyred. I'm just moving to Brisbane. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird, but I, I started to think, God, why am I so emotional? Why am I grieving? It's like someone's died. And I realized there's this well of love that I've dug for Dave and Ruth for Mitchell, for these, these people, these core leaders, for people in this community. And one by one, you guys are passing through my head and I'm weeping over you. I'm processing, because when I left Brisbane to come here three and a half years ago, I didn't feel like that. It's like, God, what have you done? What's different now? And it's like, you've discovered my love. You've found the love of God. You've learned how much I value family. And then I started to think, gee, wouldn't it be weird if we didn't feel like that? What would it have been? Does that make sense? God's done something so special in this city, and he's going to begin to ask us to export it, to carry it, to carry a culture of love. He is jealous for his church. He is jealous for his church. I'm going to share a quick story just to finish. Actually, a couple more verses. Paul, the apostle. Who thinks Paul, the apostle, was a weapon? He's a bit of a weapon. Do you know that he outdid Jesus Christ himself in the fruit that he bore for the gospel? That's significant. Jesus said, you'll do more than me. So it was legal as well. In Galatians 2 verse 1, Paul says this. Now, who's been a Christian for 14 years? Or more? Raise your hand. Okay. Keep your hand up. Maybe one-seventh of us. One-seventh. Oh, one more than four, 14 years or more. Okay. So at the time Paul wrote this sentence, he'd been born again for over 14 years. That's a long time. He's not a fresh Christian. He's preaching the gospel. He's planted a whole bunch of churches. He's seen entire cities impacted with the gospel. And this is what he writes. Galatians 2, verse 1 and 2. After 14 years, this is 14 years after his conversion, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. And I went up. Why did he go to Jerusalem? Because of a revelation. And I set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. Why did he do that? in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Paul had a revelation. You need people to speak into what you're preaching. 
You need to come together with these other apostles and submit what you're doing, who you are. It was by revelation that he learned how to do that, how to invite input into his life. He's born again 14 years by this point. That's significant, right? Acts 13 verse 1, listen to this. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, okay, a bunch of people in a room. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So who spoke? God. God spoke. Who was in the room? A bunch of people. Worshipping, fasting. It's community. It's interactive, right? God speaks. And then it says, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They didn't just leave. They fasted together, they prayed together, then they laid hands on them and they sent them off. That's so important. It's so important. When you have good leadership, you can willingly submit to them. And they will raise you up to be an effective saint and a son in the household of God. They won't control you. They will empower you. I want to encourage you to not miss an opportunity in this community to be led. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a mutual submission because you both, in, in any mutual submission, you both know, you know, it doesn't matter what I tell you, I know you're going to seek Jesus. You're not going to control it for your own sake. I know that at, at, at the end of the day, Dave and Ruth will always obey Jesus. They'll always go, okay, God, is that you? Okay, it is. Well, that sucks, but oh my gosh, we're going to obey it. And you're so good. And we know it. I want to encourage you guys to obey beyond understanding. In the Argentine revival, who's, who's heard about that? A few of us. I read a book by Dr. R. Edward Miller. It's called The Secrets of the Argentine Revival. Has anyone ever read that? Of course you have. My gosh, bless you. And Sammy. Who else? The Secrets of the Argentine Revival. Uh, Edward Miller. Anyway, so this guy, this impacted me so much. I'm, I'm finishing now with a quick story. I want to just let everyone know we're not leaving for, for six weeks or so. We're not just jumping on a plane tomorrow. So there's time to process this and um, ask questions if you'd like. And what I want to do, though, is actually just invite us into a way of um, relating in this community where we would know and trust each other. And right now, I have to draw upon my past integrity in this community because I'm leaving more fast than I would, I would want to myself. So I need to draw upon those that know me well, trust me. I was speaking to Danny earlier and I said, look, Danny, this is what's up. And um, I said, oh, look, it's, it's happening faster than I want. And she, and she like cut me off. She said, that's cool. I know you. I know it's the Lord. You wouldn't do something that wasn't the Lord. I trust you. And, and, and most of our leaders said that, or all of them. There's something about, 
I'm not blowing a trumpet right now, but there's something about being consistent with what he gives you. So that if he gives you something rapid, the people around you will trust you because you're not just a helium balloon. We built something here for three and a half years, obediently and consistently. So if something happens suddenly, the people around you can trust you. They go, you know what, this is pretty uncomfortable, it's fast, but God's doing something here because that person usually wouldn't do that. It happened in the Bible both ways. Sometimes there's a real smooth, slow transition, and that's how I prefer things. I love that. And other times, God just moves. There's a sense of urgency, and you don't always know why, but you obey it. And that's what, that's what we're in right now. It's uncomfortable. But the joy is in the obedience. So Argentine revival. There's nothing happening for R. Edward Miller, he's, he, he went to Argentina to preach the gospel from America. He's been there over 10 years. Over 10 years. That's a long time. He's living in a small town in Argentina. It's freezing in this town. That bit got me. I love warm weather. It's freezing. It's freezing. And he went there to win souls. And in 10 years, he'd won three people to Christ. Amen. And he was disappointed. He expected to show up and the Holy Ghost to pour out and everything changes. And 10 years had gone by, he'd won three people to Christ and he was pastoring this dry, drab, backslidden, lukewarm community of about 30 people in this little town and he was angry and resentful. And he said, that's it, you know what? 10 years? I'm packing up, I'm grabbing my wife, we're going back to America. And he went. He's like, he's beginning to make plans. His heart's just, he, he's in pain, this guy. He had an expectation that's not being met, right? And so before he leaves, he has this realization. He goes, you know what? If I leave right now, if I leave, I feel like I'll never recover from this. If I left now after 10 years, not having seen, what am I going to do back in America? What have I got back there? It's like, he felt trapped, right? He said, I'm going to fast and pray for seven days and seek Jesus. And if he doesn't speak to me in seven days, I'm going back to America. That was his ultimatum. So he, he, he fasts and he prays and he spends seven days in his bedroom seeking Jesus. God, help me. God, why am I here for 10 years and only three souls? God, what's wrong with this church? What's wrong with this city? What's wrong with this nation? God, I thought you were going to pour your spirit out. It's been 10 years, God. He's just crying out to God. Seven days he prays and fasts. Seven days, nothing. Not a word. Silence. So he comes out of his room. He sits at his kitchen table. Seven days has gone by. He is miserable, this guy. And there's a knock at his front door. And in walks a man from his church. The man's a Christian and his son is with him. The man's son. The man's son is not a Christian. They sit at the table. They start having a cup of tea. And suddenly the son starts manifesting a demon. And without the guy even praying for him, he falls on the ground. He gets delivered by the presence of God. And this guy, Edward Miller, is like, what the heck? I'm not even feeling the presence of God. What's... This kid gets born again. That's four in ten years. This kid gets born again in his living room. And he's like, oh my gosh, something's happening. And he went back in his room for seven more days. Something happened. I didn't hear God, but God just did something. 
So he's back in his room seven days. Five or six days in, God speaks so clearly to him and says, I'm going to pour my spirit out right across this nation. I'm going to save hundreds of thousands of souls. I'm going to impact presidents. I'm going to transform the economy. And God just downloads to this guy, this is what I'm about to do in this nation. But guess what? What's he got now? A word from God. Now he's got a word from God. Do you think he's going back to America? But guess what? The story keeps going, and this is what I want to impress upon us. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. I want to look for these opportunities the rest of my life because I believe we're going to leave this nation different to how we found it. I believe we will, but I know the key is obedience, radical obedience to every word that God speaks to us. Radical obedience. And so what he did was he knew this, R. Edward Miller. He's like, all I have to do is obey God. He's given me the word, but he hasn't told me what to do. Right? So he goes to his church, real excited. Guys, God spoke. We're going to have a revival. The church are like, it's awesome. They're not pumped, right? He says, I'm starting a prayer meeting. For seven days, we're going to pray. God didn't tell him to do this. He's just like, I'm pumped. I'm going to do something. So he says, 7 p.m. till midnight. That's five hours. Five hours. Monday to Friday. Oh, no, sorry, Monday to Sunday. Seven days, five hours a day, 7 p.m. till midnight. Keep in mind, it's a freezing cold city. There's a lot of poverty there. I'll see you there Monday night. I've rented this whole, the whole week. Monday night comes along. Three people come. Three people. It's snowing. It's cold. It's miserable. Three people show up to his prayer meeting. And it's in this, this drab hall, this timber hall. It's echoey. It's cold. There's a big table in the middle of the room. The chairs are all stacked in the corner. And they go up to the front near the platform. And he's like, all right, guys, let's pray together. And they start to pray. The three people that showed up is a couple, a married couple, backslidden, quiet, a man and his wife, and then one other lady came on her own. You seen the picture with me? This is so significant. They start to pray. Five hours is a long time. They prayed for five hours. The couple are basically silent. The one girl makes a couple of murmurs. And he's just, shaka, thank you, Jesus. And nothing, they're not catching it, right? Midnight comes. And this is the question he asked these three people. He's heard the word from God, but what he's looking for is something else that he knows will trigger it, right? He says to the three people, did you hear anything from the Lord that would require an obedient response? That was his question. Did you hear anything that would require an obedient response? The, the, the husband and his wife said no. But then this lady, the one murmuring, she said, I had this really weird urge to walk to the table in the middle of the room and bang it with my fists. And he's like, okay, um, would you be willing to do that? And she went, no, no, I couldn't do that. So, she was too shy. She was a really shy woman, right? So he's like, okay, well, I might see you guys tomorrow night. That's what happened, right? 
Next night, Tuesday, the same three people come. No one else comes, husband and wife. He's just like, what are these people even doing here? This other lady comes again. From 7 till 12, they pray. It's Tuesday night. At the end of the prayer meeting, 12 o'clock. Okay, guys, did you hear anything that would require an obedient response? The husband and wife say, nope. The lady says, yeah, I had that same urge to bang my fists on that table in the middle of the room. He's like, would you be willing to do it? She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't. I can't do it. He's like, all right. Might see you tomorrow night. Wednesday night, 7 p.m., same three people. No one else comes. No one else cares. 7 p.m. till midnight, the same environment. Is that painful for anyone else? Are you there with me? It's so painful. What's that? Fast forward to seven days. Wednesday night, 7 till 12, again, same three people. He says, guys, did any of you hear something from the Lord that would require an obedient response? The husband and wife said no. And the woman who was murmuring said, I had an urge to bang my fists on that table in the middle of the room. And he went, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. All four of us are going to march around this table together. We're going to stand in the middle of the room, we're going to march around the table, and we're going to sing a song. And at the end of each verse, one of us will bang our fists on the table. We'll start with me, then we'll do the husband, then we'll do his wife, and then you're going to do it at the end to the murmuring lady. And she agreed. She's like, yes. And so they start singing this song, walking around the table. It's getting weird now. Isn't that weird? Don't you think he felt a bit foolish? It's so humbling to me, this story, because it's like, would you do that? He didn't hear the word to do it. He's like pulling on this lady. So we'll give us something that we can obey so that God can trust us. He's looking for people of obedience because he's like, if you'll obey me in something as little as banging your fists on the table, you'll obey me when it's chaos and multitudes are being saved. You'll still listen to my voice and obey it because if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful with the much. God knows that. It's the little, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. It's the little disobediences to that voice of God that cost us, cost us the most. So they march around the table, singing the songs, one by one, bang. Then the husband, bang. And then his wife, bang. And then the murmuring lady finally musters up the courage, bangs the table with her fists, and guess what happened? Revival. The Spirit of God, just like, it's like the room imploded. And the Holy Spirit rushed into the room. And do you know within hours, within just hours, this is after midnight on the Wednesday night, within hours the room was full of people. It's like the whole village caught it, came to the hall, was filled and spilling out into the streets, the freezing cold streets. People being delivered, people being healed, people being born again. The guy begins to preach. Hundreds are saved in a night Hundreds are saved. The same night, she banged her fist on the table. From that night, revival exploded in Argentina. And it, the peak of it was over 30 years long in that nation, until nearly the end of the 60s. 
That's a long time. It's as long as I've lived on this earth. Stadiums upon stadiums upon stadiums and every city in that nation filled. Traffic jams. Traffic jams flooding these stadiums. Dump trucks full of wheelchairs and crutches and canes. Dump trucks coming. Can you picture it with me? Because someone banged their fists on a table. Someone obeyed beyond their understanding. Don't you want to leave Australia different? Oh my gosh, I do. I don't have the joy of understanding why he's called us to Brisbane right now. And some of you, God's inviting you to do things you don't fully understand. Please do not rob this nation of what God will do when you obey him. You don't have to understand. You just have to obey. And while you're obeying, submit it to your friends. Man, if we do that, I'm convinced we'll leave this nation different. It's obedience. It's just obedience. So I, have, I don't have the joy of understanding right now in my soul, but in my spirit, I have so much joy in obedience beyond understanding. So much joy. And then any minute now, God's going to give me a word for Brisbane. A word of what it's going to look like. And then I'll hold on to that until he gives me another one, whenever that is. I I pray that speaks to people. I pray that speaks to people. I pray that, um, like our leadership, that... It would bear witness with your spirit that it's the right thing for Christine and I to leave. Um, I also pray that there's no one here that moved to Darwin for Christine and I. That would be really silly. If you moved here for any other reason but Jesus spoke to your heart and it was time to be obedient, you need to rethink why you're here. God called you here. God called you here. And now he's stirring stuff up and it's so good because it makes us just bounce back to God a bit sometimes. And be like, okay, God, things are changing. Not always what I expected, but so you bounce back to him because he's an awesome father and then he'll anchor you with why he called you here in the first place. Every one of you. There are things that are about to grow here that I'm so excited about. I'm so excited about. And Brisbane's about to get a whole lot closer to Darwin because it's actually the, the very same family. That's what he's trying to build. He doesn't want us keeping this to ourselves. Sound good? Awesome. I love you, Geordie. Bless you, man. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to hand it back to Dave because I'm not sure, but a couple of the leaders might have something to share or something. Um, I think so. I'm going to hand back to Dave anyway. I love you guys. Thank you. Well, there you have it. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you for sharing, Mark. Appreciate that. Was there any of the leaders that have any words? Tally, do you want to share?
Um, we will, as Mark said, um, Mark and Christine are still going to be here for another six weeks, so we still get plenty of time with them. We'll maximise it and we'll, we'll do a nice big send-off for them. Um, but I just wanted to transition a little bit and before we finished off, I just wanted to speak a few words of encouragement or prophetic words and also... I want to encourage you, just jump on the back of what Mark said, in obedience. Seriously, just want to pump it. And what I've been um, trying to encourage my children to do as well is if they feel something inside of their heart or in their mind, I'm just teaching them to hear God's voice, if you feel something and you think it could be God, to do it. Or to say it. Just that. that of learning to listen and obey. Sometimes it's loud and clear. Sometimes it might just be an urge. And if it's an urge or something like a feeling or a thought that's not going to hurt anyone and it looks like it could, if it goes well, it could really bless somebody, just give it a try. And you'll probably find out it is God speaking to you. And it just encourages us to keep walking forward, like just being obedient in the little things. And we start to look back and be like, oh, wow, I thought they were just my good ideas, but I think it's actually God. And it grows us in our confidence in hearing God's voice. Um, I'm, still, I'm still learning to hear God's voice clearer. It's a, the most awesome, most exciting journey that we can go on, knowing God, knowing his voice, walking in obedience. And that's how we know that we know God's voice often is because we obey and we look back and we're like, yeah, that was, that was God. Like, because the effects it has. Um, so I was just in worship and I looked around. And I was like, oh gosh, I love that person. I love that person. I love that person. And I just had just some things that the Lord spoke to me about a few different people. And so I thought I'd share them if that's okay. It should be encouraging. I hope so. <laughs> okay. Um, Jacob Rowe. Jacob Rowe. I just felt the Lord, just want to remind you, and I've actually said a bit of this before, but just felt the Lord's heartbeat pulsating for you. You were a father of many, Jacob Rowe. You have the heart of a father. You've got strong and safe arms, physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. People are drawn to be tucked under your wings. Um, people confide in you because you're a safe place, and you'll find that more and more, Jake. I'm sure you already do. Um, and also, you heard the word open doors. I'm not sure what you're pushing at the moment or thinking about or pondering, but I just heard open doors um, for whatever it is that you've been pondering or haven't pondered yet but will soon be pondering. There's open doors and just want to encourage you to knock because they'll open. Hope that encourages you. I love you, Jacob Rowe. Awesome man of God. Is Joy here?
Okay, well, I had a word for joy. I'll say it anyway, and you can um, tell her. Um, just joy, I got joy joy. She's a joy spreader, and her name's been given to her because it's who she is, and it's a prophetic name because that's what she does. She brings joy, and joy has been and will continue to be her strength. The joy of the Lord is her strength. Um, Caleb Bowles. He's gone? Yeah. Ah. Folsy. I'll, I'll say it anyway because we love Caleb. Um, I've got father of many, many spiritual sons and daughters. When you open your heart, people feel safe because they see all of you as good. And Maya. And Maya. You don't have to move. I've just got something nice to say to you. Amaya, do you want to look at me? You can stay there. Shall I share it with her later? Pardon? Should we be listening? All right. I'll go over to her. Hey, Amaya, can I say something to you just for a second? Oh, thanks for letting me interrupt. I was just watching you before, Amaya, and God told me something really special about you. Can I tell you what it is? He wants to remind you that he delights in you so, so much, and he sees you as his little princess, and he's filled your heart with so much love and kindness. It's like a bubbling brook, like a river. And joy flows out of your heart and it's going to touch other people's hearts and plant beautiful things in people's hearts because their hearts are like gardens and whatever comes out of your heart is going to bless them and plant new things into their hearts. I love you, Maya. You're so beautiful. <laughs> and Alicia Wiley. I got the word for you, butterfly, and sweet like honey. And the butterfly, and the picture of the butterfly, you are already so, so beautiful. But do you know where butterflies come from? They start off as caterpillars, and some caterpillars are really beautiful as well. And they just get more and more beautiful, and they go into a cocoon, and they come become this incredibly huge winged species that blows people away with their beauty. I think what God has made you and what he's continuing to make in you is going to take people's breath away. Is there anything else hmm. Well, God bless you all. Have an amazing week. May you all shine for the Lord in this world. Be a blessing to every single person around you in your spheres of influence. Remember to listen and obey. Walk in love. Love you all. God bless.
give someone a hug on your way out. Dustin, Naomi reminded me. So we're in the process of launching at church groups. So if you want to join a church group, Naomi will be at the back with a sign-up form so you can put down your details. Um, so yeah, go and see Naomi if you want to be part of a church group. And I encourage every single one of you to do that because that really is the heartbeat of our community in a very big way. So Naomi's up there. You can just go... Uh, there's some church groups that are already established and others are being confirmed in terms of time, location and leaders the next week or so. So uh, 